this is it. Our last trip to the dungeon, at least for a while. So it is. I have good news, though. Oh, yeah? Shaibu is going to stay and maintain the place for us. Oh, no way! And guess what else? What else? A bunch of his friends are moving in, too. Holy smokes, there's so many of them! Yeah, and get this. They've offered to pitch in as a group and cover our outstanding utility bill. You're kidding. Nope. Totes seer. Isn't that awesome? Wow. I'm just... I wish I could hug all you guys, but... You're ghosts, so... Just wow. Thank you. Has Cookie decided what he's going to do yet? Yes, actually. He's coming with us. I brought a moving box with tons of bubble wrap in it so we can transport him safely. Ah, oh, that's great. So let's get this going away ghost party started. A ghosting away party! Hooray! Alright, so I want to start with something kind of upbeat. I feel like it's a little bit of a celebration. I don't want this to just be a, a sad thing. So we're going to start with a track from a game called Chibi Robo. The track is called Midday Majesty. The composer is Hirofumi Taniguchi. Taniguchi. And the console is the GameCube. a track recommended on a general VGM thread on the RacketBoy.com forum that I frequent. I'd never heard of this game before, but wow, this track! That bass! I do sometimes buy video games based on their soundtracks alone, so I have to say, this one really intrigues me. I do just want to read something really quick from the Wikipedia page on this game, though, because it's specifically about the music and I thought it was really interesting. So here it goes. All the music and sound in Chibi Robo was composed by Hirofumi Taniguchi. He wanted to make unique sound patterns and motifs for each character and even used human voices to create the system sounds, such as on the menu selections. All of the, 
all of the noises made by Chibi-Robo's actions were phrased. Taniguchi used both woodwind and electronic instruments for the character's actions, the former because, quote, Chibi's actions are not ordinary robot-like actions, end quote, and the latter because he did not want to totally eliminate his mechanical characteristics. Different background music is played for the day and night cycles, but they lack melody because Chibi-Robo's footsteps create a melody at random. The tempo of his footsteps, the tempo of his footsteps was designed to match the background music. If he picks up his plug to walk faster, the music speeds up. All of the game's music was compiled on the Chibi Robo Limited soundtrack, a CD release alongside an official 142-page guidebook and published by Shogakukan in Japan in August 2005. Sorry, that wasn't a very quick read, I guess. <laughs> but it was interesting. That is cool. That was a quick... Oh, that was a quote from Wikipedia? Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I like the name TV Robo. I, and mm. yeah, I'm totally curious about this randomized melody. Yeah, isn't that cool? It sounds so intriguing. It's like Dig Dug, except yeah. uh, it's always making original music. That's yeah, cool. I guess so. So have you ever seen this game? I have not seen this game. I read about it, though. And it's got kind of a... Not dark, but um, dramatic story, which is interesting. It's like a, a family that's falling apart, and this is a little toy that helps out around the house, I guess. Oh, that's that's super interesting. Well, isn't that interesting? Yeah, especially since it's like a chibi theme. I wonder if a uh, chibi, the as a concept, is used for more dramatic ends than you'd think. Yeah. Chibi is like uh, when the robot has a big, or whatever character has a big head, right? Yeah, the super deformed style. Yeah. Or just, um, I don't know if he, he's just small, because Chibi just means small too. But, or like, he's cute and small. It's a very cute looking little robot. Do you think the goal so, yeah. of the game is to keep the couple from getting a divorce? Um, I'm not sure, but that's funny that you bring that up because there is a divorce element, apparently. Yeah. Oh, are you reading about it right now? Oh no, you told you just said that. Oh, did I? Oh, I don't yeah. even remember. Well, family that's falling apart, but there oh, could have been anything. Got it. Yeah, that's true. But you got it. You were on the you were on the wavelength there. That'd be funny if uh, it was your job as like a little tiny robot to uh, like leave the husband or like you have to make the husband lose his keys so he can't leave the house and cheat on his oh, wife yeah. or something like that yeah that's funny yeah no i'm not entirely sure not entirely sure but very interested in this very cool that's my chill start all right well this next song that I'm going to choose is from a game called Chikyu Kaiho Gun. Uh, this is stage one, track one. The composers are Shige Kazu Kamaki and Yumi Kino, I mean Yumi Satake, and it's Ooh. for the Game Boy.
So as you know, one of the reasons I wanted to hang out in this dungeon is to find Yumi Kinoshida, one of my favorite composers. Um, well, guess what? I found her, and uh, she's married. Oh! Yeah, I opened this dungeon door, and uh, there was her wedding right there. That's why the name on this soundtrack is Yumi Satake, not Yumi Kinoshida. But what I found cute was that she's still working with Shigekazu Kamaki, who was also her partner on a couple of the T&E soft games. He was known to do more of the rock music while Yumi was doing little jazz fusion songs, but I think they might have also collaborated more than, uh, more than is usually reported. This soundtrack doesn't have too many jazzy numbers, and uh, to be clear, I'm not 100% sure if she even wrote this track, collaborated on it, or even if Shigekazu wrote it himself. But I like to think I hear a little bit of her in this. Do you think uh, Shigekazu Kamaki uh, was at the wedding? Oh, probably. Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. I like to think when I open that dungeon door, it's uh, Shigekazu Kamaki is actually like the maid of honor. <laughs> Do you have anything else that you want to mention about Yumi Kinoshita? Excuse uh, me, Yumi. Satake. Well, did you know there was one time she was going out to meet Shigekazu Kamaki, um, and then this little chibi robo hit her keys, <laughs> and uh, that saved her marriage. That's yeah, I like thinking true. about how they actually collaborated because you touched on that a little bit that we don't really know yeah. how that worked. So I don't know. It sounds kind of like you imagine that they were actually hanging out together and actually building the songs off of each other as opposed to just like, here's my song, here's your song, here's my song, here's your song. Mm -hmm. Well, well, that's funny. So now I'm picturing them in like a kind of like a Japanese dorm room situation. There's like nothing in it except for maybe, you know, a futon to sleep in mm -hmm. and some, like, crumpled up, I don't <laughs> know, takoyaki bags that they got on the way and they're just hanging out in this cruddy little dorm room trying to compose music on some little Casio keyboard or something. Yeah, all I no, know... No, maybe that's it. In the corner, they just have this, like, computer set up with all the Nintendo music stuff. That's the only stuff in the room. There's, like, no furniture. There's no entertainment it's just that yeah i mean that would be cool if they were straight up like lennon and mccartneying it early on but yeah i don't really know all i know is um when i listened to the tracks that shigekazu probably wrote in the t and e soft uh golf games i often will hear a little part that i'm like oh that's kind of cool that's kind of yumi kinoshita ish to me and sometimes Yumi Kinoshita will do something a little, or, yeah, there's just like a, there's like a certain quality to some of those songs that sound like they're in the middle of having a rock approach and this like more jazz approach. And this right. is kind of one of them actually. It's a good tune. This is really good. Every time it cycles back to the beginning, I feel like I've gotten a new momentum push. It just, I just want to keep jumping back into it. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it's funny 
that you bring up golf games. Can I go on a, a sidetrack for a second? This is uh, highly relevant to my interests. Okay, so I went to a video game convention this weekend, and I got you a present. I was looking for something specific for you, and I found it at the end of the day. And I didn't, I didn't want to show Josh before we started recording, so I'm going to you know, show him now. So let's see if oh. you can re read the reverse. Is it the reverse text? Oh my right? gosh! Hold on, can you see it? Fighting golf for the yeah. NES. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. Lee Trevino's fighting golf, and I cleaned it and I tested it, and it works. I am going to put my NES together uh, just to play that game. That sounds so so awesome. You'll also be pleased to know that when I tested it, I went to the Japan course, and on the first green was that song that you love oh, so much. That's so great. <laughs> so you can just stand there at the tee. You know what makes and just listen to it. You know what makes me a little bit sad about that though is yeah, mm -hmm. you have to stand at the tee because when you hit the ball, the music stops, and you hear the sound. I don't know if it does though. Oh, okay. I think it does in that game, and I actually hate all games where the music stops. When yeah. there's an action or something like that. Yeah. Like uh, some golf games are like that. Zillion is a big example of that. It's so irritating because do you know that uh, Sega Master System game? It's got a great uh, overworld song, but you're always yeah. going into these doors to put in codes or like you're going to these different tr computer terminals. And these terminals are like five steps away from each other. So oh. it's never really oh. natural to hear the full song until the very end when you're like trying to escape the whole base or something like that. Like right. you go backwards through the whole game and then you can finally hear the song. But it's so irritating what to watch the uh, gameplay footage of that. And actually I remember playing that game too. If it just kept that jam going, it would have been fun. Yeah, I hear you on that. That's like when you play shmups. The, the shmups that I've played the most are the Thunder Thunder Force games. Mm -hmm. And with those, it's like you hit something and your ship blows up, but then you respawn immediately right in the same spot. And the track keeps going. Yes. But there's so many shmups where when you die, it's like your ship blew up, you're dead, start over from the beginning, the song's going to restart. And if it's a hard one and you're dying every five seconds, man, it's like, come on. <laughs> yeah. Let me hear this song. Uh, I want to listen to this jam. Here's a funny story that I meant to tell a long time ago, but I kind of forgot to. Um, mm. When I was on the plane going to Costa Rica for vacation, um, they had like these really dumb, like built-in video games and the little TVs. So they'd be oh, really? like Mahjong, uh, Solitaire, just like bad, like maybe just bad little games, bad little ports. Ski free? Yeah. Ski free in there? I wish, you know. But they <laughs> they actually had a golf game. Oh. And I was like, oh my gosh, I gotta, you know, it's my job to go yeah, try right. to listen to these games right now. Yeah. And then um, I was kind of listening to the music and it was kind of whatever. It was not bad, but um, I wasn't having that much fun. And then I just plugged in my own phone I pulled up my own golf mix and I started playing the game and then I was having a good time. Yeah, <laughs> then the game got instantly a hundred times better. Yeah, because my mix was like, you know, a bunch of Yumi Kinoshita. It had um, 
Dota Ando in there. Mm -hmm. uh, Tokuhiko Uwabo. Um, just good stuff. Oh, Masahito. Who's the guy who did um, Chi Chi's Pro Golf Challenge? Um, I want to say Masahiko Ikariko. No. That's probably not right. That's just what sounds right in my head. Anyways, you know that song. It's like that song that everybody likes. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. I remember when we got our first... Masahito Miyamoto, I think. Is that it? Yeah, I think so. When my family got our first computer that was not an Apple II... Um, and it came with Ski Free mm -hmm. and such games on it. There was a golf game on it, and I didn't remember until I started playing Fighting Golf to test it, but I used to play that game a lot. But I have completely forgotten all the mechanics of golf game playing because I was <laughs> doing so bad at Fighting Golf. I didn't realize it's like you have to hit the button once for the um, force that you're going to hit the ball with, but then you have to hit it again to aim. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. You know exactly what I'm talking about because you're the pro, but well, no, I had no like idea what was going on. I play a bunch of golf games, but they they usually have like slightly different mechanics, but a lot of them do have that, and they have like the the sweet spot a lot of times. Right. Yeah. Well, look forward to it. I'll be sending this to you soon. Ah! I'm gonna I'm gonna have a day with that. Endorsed by the U.S. National Video Game Team. Thought you'd like to know what it says right on it. So it says, it says right on it, endorsed by the U.S. National Video Game Team. So they got 20 guys together in a room, and they just started endorsing stuff. They're like, <laughs> we're the international video game team. We're here yeah. for one reason, endorsing games. <laughs> right. And they were like, have you heard the music on this? Man, it's so good. All right. Cool. I'm going to put that aside safely. Oh, I actually have a second present for you, too, but I'll save that for maybe the next track. Wow. And then I should talk about the convention, too. Oh, yeah. Um, all right. So my next track. I feel like, you know, we've played some, but we haven't played a lot of Nintendo DS tracks, so I kind of wanted to represent the DS a little bit. Um, and this is one of my favorite, I would say, VGM tunes of all time. I have a bunch of these, but really, this one is very close to my heart and I only played this game recently so this is from Animal Crossing Wild World and it is the title theme the composers are Kazumi Totaka and Asuka Ota and like I said it's for the Nintendo DS
Two summers ago, I was looking around for a good deal on a Nintendo DSi XL on eBay, and I wound up finding this extremely kind seller who was not only selling at a reasonable price for the system alone, but who was including the charger, a soft case, three cartridge clamshells, and a game with the handheld too. So the game that came with the system was Animal Crossing Wild World, and I'd had friends tell me for a while that I'd probably love the series because I enjoy the Harvest Moon series. And this was my chance to finally play it, so I took it. Well, as soon as I fired it up and heard the opening chords to this song, I felt like I was in for something great. And to this day, every time I start the game, I sit around on the opening screen and listen to this tune in full before loading my file. And I wanted to pick this as my last, this is my last dungeon track. What? Because something in my heart was telling me it was the perfect, bittersweet farewell tune. Oh, yeah. That's interesting that the welcome tune to a game would be your farewell tune to a imaginary place. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, it's so it feels so down home and it's so sweet. Mm-hmm. I think that this is a song... Not to bring up nostalgia again, but I do think that this is a song that is um, saturated with the feeling of nostalgia, even if you haven't played the game. <clears throat> Just sounds like a lazy Sunday from your youth. Or something like that. That's what it sounds like. It's a little, a little mature, too, though. Yeah. It's very nice. You know, uh, I... Speaking of music that sounds nostalgia, I just want to shout out Weezer's latest album. It's called The White Album. And if you used to like Weezer, Blue Through Green, you got to check this album out. It totally made me feel like I was uh, 16 again. Or 18. Whatever. However old I was. (laughs) Is it terrible that we can't remember this stuff anymore? 21? Yeah. (laughs) I remember when I was a kid, I was like, yeah, I'm always going to remember every teacher I've ever had and even the order of, like, the class periods that I had every year because who's going to forget that? And now I'm like, what was the name of that person that I saw every day in chemistry? Ah, I can't, you know, I have to go look at yearbooks now to remember people's names. It's weird how many people that I really enjoyed spending time with in class that I just had no other connection to. Ah, yeah. We had no similar friends, similar interests, but being in that class together was fun. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and you liked seeing them every day. Yeah. That was something I was sad about when I graduated, was just like, "Mm, these people who've been in the everyday fabric of my life for so long are no longer going to be, you know, woven in. But let's talk about the people with whom you are still weaving. Oh, okay. Uh, Who did you go to this uh, conference with? So the convention was actually uh, in Texas, and uh, Patron Hobie is out there. So Patron Hobie very graciously offered to put me up and drive me around. So we went to uh, Retropalooza, and I guess they go to other places too. Um, But... um, It was pretty cool. Hobie wanted to go because there was a particular podcast slash YouTube slash whatever personality there that he really likes. And this person was called Pat the NES Punk. And I bet a lot of people have heard about him. 
Um, this guy was very interesting. He actually has just played through with, with a team, but he did like 400 or something of these. They played through every licensed NES game and wrote reviews for them and are publishing a book of all 700 and whatever reviews. Um, this took like three years to do. That's really intense. Um, and he was a really nice guy. He did some kind of game show type things and he invited like little kids up there. And uh, I just thought that was really sweet. So that was neat. And also I kind of just felt like, um, you know, we were on the seller's floor a lot because we were looking for things, manuals and different games. And I just kind of felt like there was a lot of goodwill going around. You'd be digging through a box of manuals that are not separated in any way. And you would hear somebody say, oh, I already have that one, but I'm looking for this one. And someone who wasn't even with them would say, oh, I saw that at that other table. It's over there. You know, mm. people were just helping each other out. Oh. And, um, and I, got some, I got some crazy deals. I only picked up, I think, three games for myself and a couple manuals. But um, I got this crazy deal on a game that I've been trying to get for years. Um, Contra Hardcore for the Sega Genesis. Oh, cool. And um, this Very is a cool. game that cartridge only goes for like 40-something on eBay and complete it goes for 80. And I'm kind of, I'm very stingy with um, video games and parting with my money. So I went to this, I don't know if this is an interesting story, but I went to this one table and there was, a, this guy had a boxed complete copy of Contra Hardcore, but also had a loose cartridge of it. So I went up to him and I said, look, I see you've got both. What are the prices for both? I'm interested in these. So the complete in box was about 80 and the loose was 45. And I was like, mm, I can't. He was like, I'm willing to bargain with you. And I said, well, I just, I don't think that you could bring it down far enough that I'd be willing to buy it, knowing that it's a great game. It's just, I don't know that I'm willing to drop the cash on it. And he said, okay, I'll sell it to you the, the loose copy for 35. Mm. And I said, Mm, maybe. And then I was kind of like patting my pockets and I was like, oh crap, I don't have any cash left. And he said to me, if you go to the ATM right now and get money, I'll sell it to you for 25. And I said, sold. Wow. And I was so excited. So I got Contra Hardcore loose for 25 bucks. Okay. So I basically paid half price for it and I'm thrilled. Cool, cool. Thrilled! Because that's one of my favorite soundtracks of all time. The end. Man. <laughs> That's my story. I feel like uh, video game... Man, video game prices, I feel like, are more stabilized than record prices right now. Oh, yeah? Like, music record prices? Yeah. Because with music... Well, you know, there's a lot of things to consider with records, because, like, there's the quality of the, you know, of the vinyl is a pretty big deal. And it can, I mean, it can just waver a lot more. Like if with a game, it either works or it doesn't. So maybe right. that's one of the things. Yeah. But like I can get like a $4, I could see a, an album for 4 or $3 in one place and like $15 in another place. Right. Or even $25. I've even seen crazy stuff like that. But then also, I mean, the prices may be standardized, but I also kind of feel like... You know, I don't want to be paying more than $20 for an NES game, period. I just don't... I don't want to say that the game isn't worth it, but it's an NES game. I mean, <clears throat> I don't want to be paying more than $20. 
And, you know, something like Contra, which was super common, mm-hmm. is like 45 bucks for a loose cart. I'm not going to pay 45 bucks for Contra, even though I really want it and it's a really great game. It just makes me sad. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's weird, but I'm, I'm starting to think video games might be more stabilized than uh, the comic book market or something like that. Yeah, maybe. Because people have agreed upon... for Contra. Man. Well, I feel like I've talked a lot on this one. I'll tell you about... I'll give you your second gift, and I'll tell you about the games I picked up for myself over your next track. How's that? All right. Let's do it. Okay. This next track is from the game Pets Bunnies. (laughs) This is... (laughs) I do feel weird playing this song a little bit. No, it's awesome. Um, It's track box four. I guess it's the bunny's fourth box. I don't know. We're going with box four, not box two. Oh, whoops. Yeah, you're right. Let's do box two. Box Um, two. Okay. Yeah. Both are good tracks though, everybody. I don't know. Yeah. But the composer is, hey, Yumi Satake. I'm sorry. Yumi Satake, I should say. Um. And uh, it's for the DS. I don't really recommend these soundtracks, but Yumi Satake found work with hamsters and bunnies for the DS. They're very child-oriented and they're kind of high-pitched. A lot of the tracks are pretty simplistic, but I like to think her sentimental style shows up here. Um, I wonder though... You know, if her getting married had any effect on her songwriting, because I don't know that any Satake tracks are like, you know, those early golf games. So what do you what do you mean? I feel like it's not as um, pi- as not as a uh... what's the word? So like you think she settled down in life and settled down in her. VGM compositions as well. Yeah. Like maybe she composed this thinking about thinking about her wedding or uh, having a family or yeah. Could you just say like picking matching towels? Yeah, yeah. I wish I said (laughs) that. She's just like, oh this these curtains would be nice. You know, but it seems like there's more like passion or something in her. 
I actually really like this song, but um, this is a really good song. But also, you know, I don't think it's another thing that's interesting to think about is how much influence the actual company or the designers of the game had oh, sure. over the compositions of the composers. I don't think the bunnies people were going for innovation. Yeah, no. They might have sure. been. She might have been coming up with the most amazing stuff, and they would they would be like, well. We're going to take out that line there and we're going to change that sound set to a music box. Boom. Done. Yeah. And she was like, okay. So I did um, one last uh, ditch effort to find Yumi Satake on like social media. Uh, you know, since I'm still here down in this dungeon. And I finally actually found a website of her. She's on LinkedIn. And she made a company, uh, I think it's called, what, do you remember what it's called? It's called Yumi's Club, I think. Yeah, Yumi's Club. But, you know, she had to, she's got a lot of skills. She wasn't just writing music. She was, she's like uh, doing accounting. She does programming. Yeah, she, she does, knows C and Pearl. Yeah. And, Goodness uh, gracious, she's legit. Kind of sad that she couldn't just just make golf music her whole life but you know that's the way it is well um, hey i mean you did find a perhaps defunct but maybe we can make it work email I, and maybe you can just email her and say dear yumi kino i mean satake <laughs> i love your golf music can you just pretend that you're composing for a golf game again and write me some music i would <gasps> can you write to her and say i want to write the lyrics for it Ooh. And you guys could create an album? That would be basically great. Um, here's the thing. I actually tried to email her through her company. And uh, it's kind of sad because she's doing programming and graphic design. Her website is not working right because it wouldn't right. send uh, the message. And, and it said, uh, we're sorry, your massage will not go through <laughs> or something like that. And then it said to call this number, and the number's in Japan. Like, I'm not gonna call her. Which prompted Josh to say to me, and I quote, And now Yumi Kinoshita's website is telling me I can't send her a massage. <laughs> yeah, That's just, so funny. Which prompted me to say, yeah, they've IP blocked you. Just you. Stop trying to send her massages, man. It's weird how often, like, the idea of massages come up on the show, though, I think, or just... Like we've had we were the... talking about that, and I was like, that only happened once. And you brought up another one. I said, okay, it happened twice. And you brought up another one. I said, okay, three times. I guess three times makes it everything, right? Yeah, that's a lot to me. I mean, we had yeah. the spy episode. Yep. Uh, and then I was playing Burger Time, and I got that weird uh, screen that said spa rub end. Which yep. meant, you know, space, erase, and end. If you're putting in your name at the end. Right. And now Yumi Kinoshita's website is telling me I can't send her a massage. <laughs> it's all connected. All right, well, speaking of sending things, let me show you your second gift. So all right, so the second I'm like present. Rubbing my hands together. Yes. So um, so Hobie is a collector. So Hobie will upgrade parts that he has of other games. So if he finds like a manual, it's in better condition than one that he already has. He'll get that, put that in his collection and then, you know, sell or give away the other piece that's not, you know, up to the better standards of the new piece. 
So one of the things that he found in better condition at the convention was an NES box for the game Magmax. So he took <laughs> that one uh -huh. and he's cycling out his and he was like, do you want it? And I was like, well, I'll take it. You know, I don't really collect the NES boxes, but thank you. That's awesome. And I'll take it. But I was like, but you know who would really appreciate this? <laughs> Josh would really appreciate this because he used to stare at this artwork as a kid. Yeah. So now you can have this oh, and you wow. can put it up on your wall and just stare at it. That is the coolest picture in the world. Yeah. Wait, it's just the, it's a box though, isn't it? Yeah, it's the cardboard box. So you can read the back too. Oh. Would you oh. like me to read the back to you? Yes, please. Let's sell everyone on this game. Okay, everybody. Don't get ready for this. Yeah. The high excitement. It's up to you to save the human race by transforming mechanical parts into the ultimate robot warrior, Mag Max. On land, on sea, and in outer space, one word, you shoot deadly lasers from your beam gun to fight off the forces of the three-headed mechanical monster of Babylon. If you survive the undersea volcano, you come face to face with Babylon in the final battle of the giant space robots. Um, I just want to point out that this game cycles indefinitely. So you fight this Babylon dragon a lot, oh. not just once. But then it also says, they're little bullet points. Warp Hall takes you over and under the ground. These are like the selling points. Black, bu oh, black bullets and rock icicles earn bonus points. Four different screen patterns. Over 30 different enemy obstacles to overcome. State-of-the-art graphics and sound effects one or two players top 20 arcade classic that that game is so weirdly between being old and kind of uh, a little bit more in the modern era mm. if you i mean the idea of four screens big whoop and it cycles right. you know but at the same time they were making some advancements like being able to add stuff to your ship and being able to go underground Mm -hmm. um, and actually, if you watch the uh, if you watch the footage of the arcade game, it's doing some kind of uh, some kind of 3D effect on the scrolling. It looks really cool. Mm. Um, but yeah, there's something off about that game. <laughs> well, but whoever nothing off about this cover art. I know whoever drew that picture. I just wish they made everything. <laughs> in the whole world. <laughs> yeah, so you'll get that too. Oh man, that's so cool. Thank you so much. I am not worthy. <laughs> yeah, extend your thanks to Hobie oh. for uh, giving up that piece. Oh man, thank you, Hobie. Thank you so much. Fulfilled all of Josh's childhood dreams. You're not going to get any work done ever again. You're going to be supposed to be grading papers or going to class, and you're just going to be, like, staring at this <laughs> lightsaber robot. Well, yeah, it is probably... It's actually probably one of the pictures I've stared at, you know, the most at a formative age. Mm. I also had, like, uh, some comic... Some posters on my wall when I was a kid. They were, like this weird i don't know how i got them but they were like a nfl crossover with uh image comics artists so i like really yeah i had this uh picture of i think eric dickerson drawn by jim lee and he's like holding a football and just like punching a guy <laughs> and like 
little pieces of the guy's head are flying off. <laughs> like they were, I think he's a robot. Yeah, he's like punching a robot or something. Wow. That's one of... Yeah. This is something that shaped you. Dear patron, if you want to look at that picture, or if you know <laughs> where I can look at it again, please let us know in the comments. We'll keep collecting these for you so you can cover that wall behind you with all these things. And then you won't even be able to do the podcast anymore. You'll just turn around and stare at the wall. Yeah. Well, I'll make YouTube videos. I'll just talk about whatever, you know, as long as I have enough junk, cool junk behind me, people will watch. Right. <laughs> all right. Do you have another, or do I have another trek? Uh, no. I bet somebody's got a track lined up, right? Hmm. Maybe. Hmm. Oh. Here we go. Haunted jukebox here to keep the party going. Yeah, Haji wants to join the party. Welcome, Haju. Here's a party hat for you. That looks pretty cute, right? Are yeah. you wearing your party hat? Why aren't you wearing your party hat? Me? I got these party hats. I'm wearing my hoodie. Oh, okay. Well, fine, I guess. No, oh, that I'll, works. I'll put it on. <laughs> this actually looks That works. Weird. Josh is holding his hoodie up in a point right now. You look I, a little bit like, like a Peekman. I think I look like those, um, those people in the cult in Earthbound. You know, that blue cult? Oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Well, this is a party, not a cult. All right, Haji, what do you want to do for us? Haji wants to pick something from the Sega Master System. So he wants to pull at our heartstrings right now. Yeah. Yes. For our final final dungeon track. This is from the game Suke Ban Deka 2 Shoujo Tekaman. Let's all right, hold on. I can do this. All right. Suke Ban Deka 2 Shoujo Tekamen Densetsu. That was pretty good. Thanks. I tried. I and think you could is... just say Skeban. Skeban. Skeban? Yeah. Skeban. Yeah, just a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shoujo Tekamen Densets. Oh, yeah, that's right. Densets. I love dropping off the vowels. I think that sounds so cool. Yeah. It's fun. All right. So, this track is called The Will to Love. And, Do you have it? Um, I think Haju does. All right. And uh, the composer is Tokuhiko Uabo. Got it that time. No schwa sound for me. All right, Haju. <laughs> Let's do it up.
confirming our belief that the master system produces the saddest music of all the systems. Oh, this is beautiful. This is triumphantly sad. This is coming home from the journey. Oh, yeah. But it's not so much that you're happy to be going home, even though you are. You're thinking thinking about all the cool stuff you just did. Uh-huh. And how that, that story is closed now. Yeah. But you're happy that you did it, and it went well, or you learned something, you grew. What a perfect choice. But you changed forever, yeah. Yes, yes. Fantastic. Tokuhiko Uwabo. Tokuhiko awesome. Uwabo, Uwabo is a cool dude. He didn't do as much, I think, as a lot of other people did. Uh, Composition-wise, uh, he was doing a lot of work with this with the sound system, I think. Mm. But when he steps in to compose something, it's usually pretty cool. Yeah, those melodies. And actually, um, I'll mention this. So, I kind of wanted to do a VGM karaoke also to say goodbye to the, to the dungeon. And I was kind of waffling on it. I was talking to Josh about it. It's a weird... It's a weirdly personal song. Like, it's not going to sound personal, I don't think, to anybody else. But I just feel like the state of mind I was in when I wrote it, the words just kind of came out of me. And, um... I don't know. It just... I felt kind of vulnerable about sharing it. But I'm going to do it. And the track is also by Toku Hiko Uwabo. So I kind of feel like, you know... With Wabo all up in our stuff right now, I can't, I can't not do it. Awesome! I can't wait to so, hear it. And I mentioned him earlier in the show too. Right? Yeah, you did. So this is the uh, Tokuhiko Wabo episode. Are we gonna play that at the end, or do you want to do it now? I mean, what do you think? Well, I actually don't have it, so let's. It's not up in there. I thought I put it up in there. It's in the karaoke folder. I didn't. Take oh, it karaoke out. folder. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. What's it called again? Uh, this carousel. Oh shoot! I think, I think I do have that. All right. You know what? I want to do it now because you I want to. You want me to do this it. right now? Yeah. Okay. All right. So, all right. So I'll. Okay. I'll, I will do this. So, this is from the Game Gear game, Super Columns. Um, it's the ending track. It's by Tokuhiko Wabo. And um, I listened to this soundtrack randomly because I love the Columns 3 Revenge of Columns soundtrack so much. So I was just looking for other Columns stuff. And um, this song was just like an instant grabber. It was just so good. And it sounded like it was supposed to have words. And so like within five minutes of listening to it, I pretty much had already had all the words already. It just kind of like something clicked. Cool. So, um, yeah. Let me just get set up here with the machine. Put Cookie down gently. And uh, I'm ready. We can do it. Here okay. we go. Okay, great. Are you ready? No, I have not re. Oh. <laughs> Having some technical problems here. Um, I, I'm just hooking up the karaoke machine in the 
uh, right here. I think I got the Yeah, yeah, maybe crossed. some of these ghosts were kind of messing with it a little bit. Were mm. you guys doing your own karaoke? Yeah, they were doing their own karaoke. They were moving the the cables around and stuff. Well, that's silly. I mean, guys, you know when you do karaoke, you got to call me. <laughs> guys. Okay, I'm ready. Uh, All right, you ready? Now. Okay. All right, so here we go. Um, and I'm calling, I called this one This Carousel. So here we go. So long since I would ride this carousel I push back the turn of time I wave to the spectators here Just a girl with the wind just love that melody That's very that melody nice. is so good and i don't know it sounded kind of kind of carnivaly to me i've been talking about carousels a lot lately mm-hmm. i feel like i bring them up on the podcast a lot so so yeah that's my karaoke my apparently the game gear also has a little bit of that sega master system sadness oh yeah it does i think did it, they have the same sound chip i think a lot of it was the same yeah. The guts of it was similar, very similar. No. I, I think. I, you know, I, I listened to this podcast where they talked about the Sega consoles. Did you know there was a, a couple Sega consoles before the Master System? Um, What, like the Mark... Well, were the Mark 1 and Mark 2 the Master Systems? Or is that the Mark 3? I think like the... Yeah, they're also called Mark something, but they're... Yeah, their pre-master system. Yeah, I think I think the master system was like Mark Two or Mark Three. Yeah, they're like uh, in television quality or uh, they're like post Atari, but not quite to the next level in an interesting way. I still kind of want to play some of those games. Oh, yeah, I'm right. So the Sega Master System was the Sega Mark III. Mm-hmm. So the previous ones are the Mark I and the Mark II. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, those games, uh, those systems probably sounded super sad. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Super sad. Super so, C. Yeah. <laughs> super Contra. Yeah, I guess the further back you go. So does that mean that, like, Game & Watch would be the saddest sound? That a video game has ever made? No, because that's a Nintendo game. The, oh, it has it's to only be on Sega. the Sega side, yeah. Ah, the Sega side. Yeah. On the Sega side of things. You know what's funny that not a lot of people probably experienced, but 
uh, on the Master System, when the Sega symbol pulled up, it'd go, and then, so as a kid, you might start singing along, just go, Sega. Yeah, yeah. And then when Sonic the Hedgehog came out and it finally sang Sega, it was like, what the heck? You know, I actually read in a book that the sound sample of the voices singing Sega either takes up the majority of the cartridge memory Uh or takes up more memory than the whole game or something like that. It takes up an incredible amount. And I think it was like a a last minute thing they added in. Well, jeez, it was smart. It was actually yeah, pretty a smart effective. Move. Pretty effective. Yeah. I do also know. I read this in a gaming magazine a long time ago. So you know the um, the man's voice that goes Sega. Yeah. Sometimes at the games, um, I remember me. reading an interview with that guy, and he said that he basically just went into the studio to audition, and they said, "Say Sega as many times as you want in as many voices as you want." Mm-hmm. Just keep going. And the one that they picked was him just yelling, Sega! And he was like all the way across the room, apparently, <laughs> oh, no. because he was yelling it so loudly. And I think that's so funny. I thought that was a really cool tidbit to know. Mm. So thank you, Sega guy. And now that man is president of Ecuador. <laughs> and now that man is married to Yumi Satake. <laughs> and that man was John Satake. <laughs> yeah. I really like to imagine that that, uh, that Bunny's track that we just played, that like you were saying that you felt like maybe her marriage affected her songwriting. I like to imagine that she was walking down the aisle with her husband and she was either like getting the inspiration for the tune or she literally walked down the aisle to a keyboard and composed that. Oh, yeah. Like immediately after. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. If I married Yumi Satake, she would have to write all the music. Oh, for the wedding? Yeah. Or for everything? Uh, just for the wedding, yeah. For the wedding. I would have her write all the music for the different events of my, of my day, basically. It's like my alarm clock would be one song that she wrote. Um, there would be some other song to make breakfast to. When I turn on the card, some other song. Like, and then getting the suit on and the boutonniere done. Yeah, and it would all be, like, timed to traffic, too. So, like, I'd get a nice uh, jaunty tune uh, until I got on the freeway, and then it would slow down and just calm me down, you know? That's so funny. And then there'd have to be, what, like, the cocktail hour tune. Oh, yeah, yeah. The procession tune. Yeah. The receiving line tune. The cutting the cake tune. Okay, the cutting the cake tune would be the best one. You know what? And I just got to say one thing to the patron. If you have not listened to the Yumi Kinoshita T&D soft games, you might not know why I'm making such a big deal out of it because those last two songs that we listened to today, they were nice. But if you want to hear the best video game music I've ever heard, Check out Harukanaru, Augusta, Pebble Beach Golf Links, and um, Waile, no, Waile Kiseki and Devil's Course are also good. I haven't played any of those songs on this podcast, but she's the reason for the season. <laughs>
adorable. Oh, I have a couple things to say to some patrons. Okay. While we're addressing the patrons. So, Naraj Shah found us on Facebook. Um, he is the user that was carrying the Blaster Master box and game um, around at Brent's Brent Winebox comedy show that I mentioned on the last podcast. Um, I hadn't mentioned him by name because when I was talking to him, he was kind of saying that he sort of keeps a low profile online. But um, since he posted on our Facebook page, welcome, Naraj. Excited to have you around. So, yeah, he was the awesome dude. Yay, hello, Naraj. Carrying that around. And also, he uh, <laughs> I didn't mention this, but his game came with... It was, the, it was the complete thing, the cartridge, the box, and the manual, but it also came with five photocopies of the Blaster Master manual, and we were trying to, Slick Vic and I, and he were trying to, we were trying to figure out why this would be, and we kind of settled on the theory that this maybe was a rental game, and a rental place had made multiple copies of the manual to send home with people instead of the original. So uh, he just gave me one. He was like, do you need a copy of the Blaster Master manual? And I was like, I don't have it. So he gave it to me. So thank you for that. I think that's really neat. So now if I pick up the cart, I don't need the manual because I already got it from a very helpful friend. So I think that's cool. And then I also just wanted to uh, thank Michelle Fife Soccer for wishing me well, for um, hoping that I felt better on the Facebook page because I kind of uh, muddled through the last recording with a migraine. And uh, I appreciate that. And I am feeling better. So thank you. Yay. Yay. All right. <clears throat> you know, uh, just FYI, I think I'm going to lay down some Yumiki no Shida under this part. I know it's a little unconventional, but I might lay down just a little bit of Yumiki no Shida to give the patron a sample of what she can do. Oh, you should. Yeah. You definitely should. Okay, great. Do we want to, is there anything else that we want to discuss? While I kind of wanted to rolling? say something that we've never said. Our usual dungeon music. We've never said where that's oh, from. Oh, that's true. Yeah. What is? What was that from? I kind of forgot, actually. That is from... Let me, let me just make sure I've got it right. It is from the game Big Sky Trooper. Cool. And the composer here is Greg Turner. Right. So, yeah, I guess we could talk cool. about some behind-the-scenes stuff, right? So when we were trying to figure out what our dungeon tune was going to be... I used my uh, VGM player and I searched for dungeon mm -hmm. as a word. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of ripped a whole bunch of dungeon tracks and sent you a folder of the ones that I thought were the best. Oh, okay. And then, and then I gave you the final choice because you were really intent on having a, a chill dungeon. I was going more in the creepy direction. I and you were like, nah, chill zone, chill zone. I just wanted it to be um, easy for us to hear. Uh, our voices over it basically you know right. kind of as chill as our normal episodes are to whatever degree it could be right yeah so yes yeah, the front mission equivalent the subterranean front mission equivalent yeah yeah it's the submission oh that's my telephone cool it sounds oh, like schnip. the Jam and earl telephone it's, should i go should... answer it yeah will you just roll yeah sure okay i'll be right back hold on All right, so um, uh, just FYI, um, as we move to the overworld, we're going to still do some of our selections, but just not as often. Um, 
or maybe as often, but they'll just be intermixed in with the other suggestions. Um, another thing. Oh, here's some behind the scenes. Uh, Emily wrote basically all the dungeon scripts, and for the most part, I've been writing the bar scripts. And all right, I'm back. All right. So I, I flipped over some uh, map tiles. Did we see, is the ship piece there? Did we? I don't see the shit piece. Oh. <laughs> well, all right, that was... <laughs> Maybe I can kind of see it on the edge of one of those. Maybe it's over there, okay. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> what were you talking about? I don't know, nothing. I was bar really I heard lost. the bar scripts. Oh yeah, I was just saying that you wrote, I was just going more behind the scenes and I said that you wrote the dungeon scripts and I've been writing most of the bar scripts. Yes, yes. Yeah, because for whatever reason, the the dungeon became like my. I got really invested <laughs> in the. Uh, in the narrative, yeah. The story arc of what was going on down there, yeah. Which is but cool. that was, um, you know, if people don't know, the whole kind of uh, mind theater, uh, old timey radio intro idea, that was all Josh. He really wanted to do those. Mm. And he writes so many of them, and they're so funny. Mm, and sometimes, you know, and, and he doesn't want me to read them ahead of time, really. I remember once I was like, wait, I have to practice my lines. And you were like, no, don't read it ahead of time. It's supposed to sound really stilted. Oh, and, um, really? Oh, yeah. That's funny. You don't remember that? Well, I don't necessarily even feel that way anymore because I kind of wish I was a little smoother on some of those readings, too. Oh, no. Yeah. It's so good. It's fun. But, uh, but sometimes I can't like keep it together like that last one about your the way you said all right i'll just eat this med kit i just i couldn't that's that's funny right right yeah thank you thank you oh you're welcome if i could um, yeah, that could be my job that'd be great to just write video game like intros yeah um, i know you could talk about you could talk about those articles you've been posting up on the facebook page that are kind of doing what we do what the onion articles oh yeah i thought that was weird that the onion started making a bunch of um articles that also kind of treated video game situations as if they were really happening uh right. so i posted a posted one to the facebook and there's a couple more on the onion site and they're pretty funny actually and, uh, yeah, they are really yeah, funny. Yeah, if I had thought of them, I totally would have written them as uh, scripts. Like Great. one of them's about um, a, a boss sh wants to get the red spot in his back checked out or something. Yeah, yeah, the the flashing spot. <laughs> yeah. Looking for a, der a dermatologist. Yeah, it's funny. And another one was about how <laughs> it was like. Uh, five identical henchmen plan meeting by barrels of explosive liquid or something like that. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. Alright. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I can say about the convention. Oh, the the games that I picked up. Uh -huh. Just real quick. So I picked up three games for myself. So, like I said before, I'm, I'm really kind of strict with my acquisitions. I don't want to buy anything that I'm not going to play or doesn't have some kind of extreme sentimental value. So I picked up a cart and manual for Super Spike V-Ball for the NES, which has some of the greatest music. I love that soundtrack. So I really wanted to have that. And- um, Oh, Super Spike V-Ball? Yeah. That's a great game. 
I've never played it. Well, oh. I tested it. Mm, mm. Um, I wasn't very good at it. I'll get better, though. <laughs> um, so, uh, so that's good. That's good to know that it's good. Yeah, I'm not good at it or anything. I think I've only played it a couple times, but uh, it's got a, it's got that a unique feel. Mm. You know, yeah. All right. Yeah, any, so I'm, what I'm else thrilled about that. Um, thrilled about Contra Hardcore. Mm -hmm. So that's fantastic, and I can't wait to to play that. And I also picked up Columns Three: Revenge of Columns. Oh yeah. Because that cartridge. So that table. That guy was the. Um, I think that was the only thing I bought at that one guy's table. And um, I just kind of walked up to him and I was like, how much for columns three? And he was like, oh, pss, a buck. And I was like, sold. Wow. So I gave him a, a buck for the cart only because people are probably like, oh, columns, a puzzle game. Little did that guy know that that little cartridge right there had Such one of the best video game tunes ever music. composed, yeah. programmed on it. I'm talking about mm. Column Dive. Mm. If you guys haven't listened to Column Dive, it will change your life. Um, and I've actually, that's the first game I've been playing. And I've been playing a lot. It's very addictive. You were telling me about surprised. the gameplay. And you were telling me how in Columns 3, Revenge of Columns, you're playing against imaginary computer players. Yeah, and it's kind of like, um, you know, when you play, I don't remember if you're playing against anybody in something like Dr. Mario, but when you're playing um, the Puyo Puyo games mm -hmm. or Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine as we had over here, um, you know, you, you're on the left side, and you have an opponent computer computer opponent on the right-hand side, and you see a little picture of your opponent in the middle of the screen. And if you're doing really well and they're doing badly, then um, they'll look stressed out, like the animation will change, and they'll be stressed out. And if you're doing poorly and they're doing really well, they'll get kind of snarky at you. Um, so Columns is like that. You're on the left side and your opponent's on the right side and you see the opponent in the middle. But what's really interesting, so first of all, I don't know if this is going to be interesting to anybody, but I've played so much Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine and so much Puyo Puyo, and I had to, and I'm still in the process of untraining myself from that mode because this is not at all how you play Columns. There are things that you do in Puyo Puyo that completely screw up your game in columns. Oh, interesting. So I've had to kind of, um, you know, use the plasticity of my brain to adapt to this new puzzle game. <laughs> and I'm not I'm not great at it, mm. but I'm getting better. I've gotten up to the final boss. I never beat him in a match. No, but... here, here's what's funny to me about how it's called Revenge of Columns. Because yeah, yeah. the first Columns game, it wasn't like that. It was just like, uh, if you're playing one player, you just see how far you can go. Oh, and that's it? Yeah, so and revenge, the idea of Revenge of Columns, like the game is fighting you back. Right. Because I thought it was like the columns themselves are fighting you back, but no, it's the game that's trying to fight you. Yeah, there's, you a, little, there's a little story. There's oh, a pyramid that has some kind of special treasure in it, and the game it, demo uh, intro tells you about how many people have tried to get it, but no one comes back alive. So oh. it shows you a map of the inside of the pyramid, and you go from 
room to room, and each room has an enemy in it. So the first enemy. I don't like that. I wish that the story was just that the original game was mad at you. Oh. <laughs> that's really funny. Yeah. I you wish. Can we can pretend that that's what it's really like. I thought it was from Mesopotamia, not Egypt, anyways. I don't know. Weren't we? Yeah, that's right, because we were watching that, uh, that guy on YouTube who was talking oh. about how this game has been around for years. Oh, yeah. Because... No, but oh, we didn't mention this on the podcast, huh? Oh, it's funny. What, no, that YouTube video? Not just the YouTube video, but he got that information about Columns being an ancient Mesopotamian game from the instruction manual. The right, instruction yeah, manual a, um... claims that Columns is from ancient Mesopotamia. Right. So, uh, so just to fill fill the patrons in, um, when we try to collect the sound effects, this is more behind the scenes stuff. When we try to collect the sound effects for our openings, because we get very excited about using those. Sometimes they're included in the sound files. Um, they're they're usually always with NES games and TurboGrafx-16 games, but um, they're not ripped often together with the music from Genesis games and so forth. So sometimes we have to find YouTube videos of these sound effects. So we were scouring the internet trying to find the columns sound effects without music behind it and without somebody talking over it. And Josh found this video of a guy talking over it, but then I guess we got involved in just listening to him describe the game. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then he, he, you know, dropped the knowledge from the manual as Josh's. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't. I don't remember, but I actually started reading the instruction manual to see if that's where he got... Oh, no, I think he said that's where he got that info from. So I read the instruction manual, and it claims that it's from... It's like an ancient Mesopotamian game. And I'm right. thinking, no. What are you talking about? <laughs> the... Well, this... So I actually saved this conversation that we had okay. because I thought this was so funny. So this prompted the following conversation. So I said, obviously, they were playing the Hello Kitty version of Columns in Mesopotamia. And Josh says, that idea is so ridiculous, yet so appealing. How would you play it? Like, Shmesh, you are... I can't even read it. Shmesh, you are responsible for randomizing the next... <laughs> three tile three set. Three tile set. <laughs> I, can't, I can't do this. Glip, don't forget to bring all of your yellow tiles this time. Scoot, you remove the tiles when there are three in a row. And then I said, LOL, LOL. And you said, all right. <laughs> and I'm pressing start. <laughs> right now. <laughs> that starts the game. <laughs> that was so funny. That was so funny to me. I like how you read that. That, that sounded better than I thought it was going to sound. <laughs> and then I said, and then I said to you later, I was like, "Are those actual names of characters in the game?" And you were like, "No, I'm just making them up." And I was like, "Well, that was really good." They sound old. Schmesh Glip. So, uh, so great. It's cute. I mean, what are they saying? Is the ancient Mesopotamian version of Columns just trying to put three things in a row or something like, or tic tac toe? I don't know. I this mean, I, I guess. I mean, I'm, I bet it was just like, if this was a real thing, that it was just a tabletop sort of situation and you just place tiles down or something. Yeah. Maybe they were doing like, um, you know how some people play chess with actual people? So it's like a field with people standing around representing the pieces. Oh. Maybe it was like a, a whole event where everybody was a 
a colored piece. Yeah, that just shows you how powerful those ancient kings really were. You know, <laughs> people just line up. Yeah, he lines up the whole city in different colors. <laughs> they run down the little random groups of three. Or like your family runs down. Right. <laughs> And then you have to be ready to rotate real quickly, right? Cause yeah, because he has like, people, rotate, he rotate, has people rotate, rotate. whipping you from the yeah. side. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, so good game. I'm really enjoying that. The non-person version. Oh, I just want to say, um, yeah, the idea of doing those uh, little uh, skits with that incorporated video game music. That is from the Legacy Music Hour, particularly their last episode, where they had, oh, yeah. um, like, like Sagat or something. I forgot. Yeah, Toad showed up. Yeah. So Toad when the Legacy up. Music Hour went on their hiatus, which we thought was the end of the Legacy Music Hour forever, um, Rob F. Switch did this whole thing, which was so funny, where he brought in music or sound effects from games to to represent characters visiting. Yeah. to say goodbye and one yeah. of them was the music from super mario brothers 3 when you go to the castle and toad is crying because the king has been transformed yeah so he played that music and then was like oh toad don't cry it's okay <laughs> oh yeah i thought that was so funny i just found the sound effects uh so uh you know transportive or whatever so compelling yeah 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 and then when we, so we've kind of alluded to it before, but the first time Josh and I really talked or collaborated was um, we wrote a farewell karaoke track for Rob F. Switch when he moved from the L.A. area up to Oregon. And um, so I wrote this thing and I just felt like it wasn't really working. So I contacted you and I was like, can you, can you sing part of this or can you sing the whole thing? I think I wanted you to sing the whole thing originally. And you were like, nah, let's make this a... A duet but then that was your idea to add all these sound effects you were like oh I know how about all the Street Fighter characters are there in the audience so I'll pick all these sound effects from them and put them in the beginning to, like, oh, yeah, yeah. clap and cheer and that was so funny and then at the end you you did the record scratch from uh, Earthworm Jim to switch into the party track oh, that yeah. was like I can't I couldn't get past that without laughing that was so funny that's uh yeah I like doing that it's funny I feel like sometimes I feel like we should put that up on our, our YouTube page. By the way, I'm really behind on the YouTube channel. I'm so sorry, everybody. I will catch up perhaps, oh, yeah. well, perhaps you know what? this week. You know what we need more than that is the uh, uh, vocal free spa episode download. Oh, yeah, that's right. Maybe we do need that. We do need the uh, Emily special spa tape. Yeah. Um, I may prioritize some things. Yeah. And speaking of uh, releasing different kinds of stuff, I think after this coming week's Overworld episode, we're not going to transition into the weekly Overworld episode right off the bat. There's a couple weird things we want to do in the off weeks, like the yeah, exercise yeah. mix, um, Star Wars versus Star Trek. I don't know if we're going to do that or not. We'll see. We, You know, I really do want to do that, but I almost feel like we should wait until... It gets closer to the 50th anniversary convention that's happening. I don't know why. I just think that'll be neat. Wait, what? what it's the 50th anniversary of Star Trek this year. Oh, and cool. So, like, the biggest Star Trek, you know, the the Star Trek convention 
is even bigger because it's the, it's a bigger celebration, and that's happening in August. And uh, maybe we can kind of doesn't oh, okay. really matter, but yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Well, anyways, before we transition into the weekly show, we might do a couple weird things on the off weeks, but yeah. we're definitely going to release something. Yeah, we got some stuff to do. So this is a good transition, I guess, into the the end because we still need a lot of submissions from people because we're going to that integrated format coming up in the future. So we need lots of suggestions, lots of plus ones. We're on that plus one campaign. So if you want to submit tracks for our usual meetup at the bar, uh, please do so. You can go to our blog, um, thevgmjukebox.com, and you can click the Suggest a Track button. Um, there are multiple Suggest a Track buttons, so you can't miss them. And uh, fill out the survey and add your selection to our library. Um, and you can also send us an email with your suggestions as well. And our email is the vgmjukebox at gmail.com. Yep. And you can Twitter us, or tweet at us. Sorry. <laughs> Twitter us. At vgmjb. Um, that's some fun discussion going on. And I get a lot of hot tips from some of our patrons. Uh, you know, so thank you very much, everybody. Yeah. Who, who gives me that stuff. Um, we also have a Facebook page which is uh, facebook.com slash the VGM jukebox. We announce the shows. Sometimes I post some other stuff. Um, and people wish each other well. Yes. Upon that site. It's very nice. And you can also see a great picture, um, you know, as we mentioned of Naraj with the Blaster Master copy and Brent Weinbach. Yeah, it's awesome. I love that he posted that on our page. So, all right, you know. One more thing. Yeah. Don't forget our sweepstakes. Yes. Please bring plus ones to the bar. And then just write us and let us know uh, that was your friend. And you'll be entered into the sweepstakes for Mother 3 Repro Cart. Um, it's not a collector's item, probably. But it's a lot of fun to play. Yeah. And it's totally illegal. <laughs> and a but I, I kind of feel like, you know, when you buy the Mother 3 cart, they're like, buy as much of this merchandise as you can because, you know, um, or, you know, just try to support the franchise as much as you can. Right. Because they're not making any money off of this. So I kind of feel like by me giving it away, it's kind of maybe supporting the franchise in a way. Yeah, you're spreading it. Spreading it. Spread spreading the, the, the mother love or something. And, uh, and another way you can enter the sweepstakes is... It's really, it's really funny because I was just about to say that. If you review us on iTunes, you will also be entered into the sweepstakes. But you have to review and not just rate. Because if you just rate it, we don't know who you are. Yeah. But so you have to review and use your names so that we can grab you and put you in the list. Yep. Well, I guess that's it. Let's Well, leave. all right, hold on a second. Yeah. So I've got Cookie here yeah. in his little box. Mm. Oh, he's sleeping. Mm -hmm. He's so cute. Yeah. But, um, and the, the boos are going to keep the place clean and running. Is but, Boo coming with us? Boo? The one Boo? Our friend? Oh, he's covering his face. My therapy? <laughs> he's, uh, I don't know. Point. I don't think he's ready to leave yet. He's, his face oh, is covered. Maybe so we'll think, see him someday. Yeah, maybe. Well, maybe he. Well, maybe he'll follow us out. We don't know. Okay. Yeah, I guess. But we'll never um, know. 
but Haju. Yeah. What are we doing with Haju? Um, I don't know. Does because we should definitely. Well, he's kind of a part of this party that these ghosts are throwing. But he's a part of our family. Yeah, and we do want to be able to do randomized tracks um, at the bar and the overworld. Right. So I guess here's here's my here's what I'm getting at. Can you lift this jukebox? Can I even lift, bro? Mm. <laughs> yes. Can you put this jukebox on your back? Well, I don't know if I'm still buff from the power up, so I don't know if I can do it. Uh. Yeah, I mean, I've got a lot of HP. Oh. Yeah, that's right. You're the tank of our group. Yeah. You can handle this. Oh, uh, maybe I could... No, I don't want to cast Float on him, because that went kind of awry last time. I was hanging out on the ceiling for a week. We don't have, like, a bag of holding or something like that? Oh, that's interesting. Um, Wait a minute. I don't have one. Haju is floating. Oh, because he's a ghost jukebox. Yay! Oh, he does his own work. And he's following us. Oh, that's awesome. And he doesn't need to be plugged in. Because he's powered by his spirit, I guess. Yeah. So he's not tied to anything. Oh, this is awesome. So you got off easy here. Yeah, that's good. That's good news. (laughs) Because I need my hands for, you know, my sword and my shield and stuff like right. that whatever right yeah and punching so i guess you're going to be leading this party huh yep i guess because uh, i'm probably the i'm like the glass mage let's get in a single can... file line hey yeah okay all of a sudden everyone's really cooperative this is weird <laughs> i'm lining up all right let's go all right so bye dungeon Take care of the place. Thanks again, booze. Bye, booze. We might be back. Hello, We'll we'll call first. We'll call first. All right. It's bright out here. (laughs) Let's, uh, I don't know, go look for some sunglasses or something. Yeah, it's a good call. Sunscreen. Let's go find some, uh, some shop and buy some stuff. Yeah. All right. Like some new armor, some sunscreen. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Well, thanks for hanging out in the dungeon with us, everyone. The dungeon. Yeah. And we're off into a new era. Here we go. Single file. Bye, everyone. Bye. <laughs>